Welcome to the Two Coach Bennett's Talking Podcast. I'm Coach Tammy Bennett. And I'm Coach Chris Bennett. This is where we talk about anything we want. Yeah, anything we want. Like movies or music. Running, not running. Life and what gets us excited. Fantasy and sci-fi books. No, we're not talking about that. All right, well, we'll talk about everything but fantasy and sci-fi books. So sit back or keep moving because it's time to start talking. Episode four of Two Coach Bennett's Talking has the Two Coach Bennett's Talking about sinus infections and hamstring cramps, the epic awesomeness of the Oregon State High School Track and Field Championships, long lines at the pharmacy, and the art of bagging groceries, and so, so much more. Let's get started. Oh, hey, Coach. Hey there, Coach. How are you? So good. How are you? It doesn't feel like we've been away for a week. Yeah, we have. Well, we've been away from the listeners, but we haven't been away from each other. Yeah, so tell us about your past week. What's been going on? Oh, where do I begin? Well, I know what the meat and potatoes are today, so I'm not going to talk about that yet. I will say, at the beginning of the week... I jacked up my hamstring on a run and I got very worried. I kicked a root on a trail and I had this massive, massive pain in my hamstring. And what happens is, is the worst cramps feel like terrible muscle pulls or strains. So you don't know if you strained your hamstring, you pulled your hamstring or you got a terrible cramp. So I didn't know. And I was like a week away from hitting five years in a row. So I was, I I had to call you up and say, please pick me up. And I've been navigating through that this past week. And I'm happy to say it was definitely a cramp because it's, it's pretty much gone. And I, I was able to run through it and it get better each day. So that, that was kind of, I think the, the main headline, you know, streak in jeopardy. Well, I think the main headline is what is the status of the streak? The status of the streak is we are now five year plus, actually. So we made it through. Yep. Yep. Five years plus. Of running every single day without missing a day. Yes. Five minute minimum. Yes. So good. Yeah. I should put a link to the podcast where you came on my podcast to talk about, was it four years? Yeah. I think I came on maybe at a thousand days and then a thousand I think also days. at four years. Yeah. So maybe I'll link to those in the show notes if people are curious to hear more about those. That's a great idea. How could you not be curious? Okay. Well, I'll tell you about my week, even if you're not going to ask. I... I, I, w- I didn't know if I was going to sneeze, which is residue from where we were these past couple of days, which we're going to get to in the meat and the potatoes. So I apologize. I just didn't think you or the listeners would want me to sneeze right into their ear. Are you rolling your eyes? A little bit. Okay. Hey, how was your week? Um, well, I have a sinus I had, I guess, a sinus infection, so I had to go on antibiotics for the first time in I don't even know, but I think over a decade. Um, because luckily I never get sick. I mean, maybe there was a time in there, but I can't remember a time. So anyway, um, and then in my dares group, we had a come as you will be party. So we had, uh, you know, just on Zoom, 
to come to the Zoom call as you wanted to be or as you will be in three to five years. So, and you just have to stay in character of the you, the future you who has accomplished the things that you've wanted to accomplish. And so that was just a lot of fun. And it was a fun exercise to think about where do I want to be in three to five years and who, what are we going to be doing? Where are we going to be living? And um, so anyway, that was a lot of fun. And, And the other thing that both of us had going on this week, we'll just, this will be the nice segue into the meat and taters of this podcast. We were in Eugene, Oregon for the Oregon State Track and Field High School Championships. And it was amazing. Friday and Saturday. Massive crowds, beautiful weather, electric atmosphere. Yes. I mean, you have, do you have anything else to add to that? We're going into meat and potatoes. We are. We have segued into the meat and potatoes section. I'm, I'm aware of that. Get get into some of that meat. Get into some some. Get into. Can I say this? Get into some of them taters. Why not? Is that bad? No, the tater just... haters are going to be mad. <laughs> no, I was wondering if I could actually get it out. I, I was stumbling. So anyway, our whole family of five was in Eugene, Oregon on Friday and Saturday for the high school track and field state championships for the state of Oregon. At legendary Hayward Field on the campus of the University of Oregon, electric crowds, big crowds, noisy crowds. And what a cool celebration of just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids. Probably I, I, I. Because Oregon has state classification. So 1A is the small schools, also up to 6A, which are the big schools. And it is it is like a carnival. It is really a great, great 48 hours. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that's so fun about Hayward, and we've gone to it, you know, since it was the old Hayward Field and now the new Hayward Field, is that the crowd that it attracts is so knowledgeable about the sport of track and field. I mean, there are people that are, I mean, they just know everything uh, about all the different sports. And it's just so fun to be a part of that where every event is celebrated and people know all about it. Yeah. And there's something special about, I think, high school age too, 14 to 18, because they're old enough where you're going to see some really extraordinary performances and they're young enough where that optimism and excitement is is there it's just a perfect i think it's just a perfect age group we were laughing about even little things i know i'm kind of bouncing around a little bit but just it's fun to walk in and see these pockets of different colors in the crowd representing the different schools you've got this collection of 50 people wearing you know bright orange and you know they're all cheering for one school and then there's red and there's blue and there's purple and it's I don't know. There's something great about that, knowing that these kids on the field and on the track, they've got their supporters and their friends and teammates and family there, and they're invested in what they do. It's it's just one really cool celebration. Yeah, um, this is so unrelated, but not related. But just like you said, looking around at the crowd and all the different pockets of color, I think it'd be really cool if like if the crowd just somehow organized themselves into rainbow order and you just look around the whole oval and there's just the spectrum of color i think that'd be so fun yeah this is this is where you being an artist makes things just like weird like i i would never think that like ooh, let's get everybody in rainbow order and put them put them in there and that would be so pretty and nice which is why i think it's hilarious sitting next to you during sporting events sometimes because 
you're so knowledgeable and such a, a geek uh, in a sporty sense. And then suddenly you come out with these comments that are so not sports, which are hilarious. It'll be, oh my goodness, look at this move. Look at this move that's being made. And the socks on fifth place are fantastic. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? What are we, what am I focusing on? And yes, the socks are fantastic. But yeah, I think maybe next year you should write a letter and see if everyone can be given seat assignments based on team colors. You should look into that. Yeah. The overhead photo would be so pretty. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you want to talk about some of our favorite events? What do you want to talk about? Yeah, well, I mean, first we had um, both our daughters were racing. So our oldest, Maggie, was running the 3K on Friday morning. Uh, our youngest, Emma, was running a prelim or semifinal in the 800 Friday afternoon. And then on Saturday, Emma had the 800 final, the 15 final, and the 4 by 4 final spread out throughout the day. So we were very busy cheering on our girls they also had a ton of teammates racing and a lot of different events um, their high school is really well represented on the boys and the girls side and then obviously just living in Oregon which is is not the biggest state we knew so many kids or friends that had kids racing so it was really just almost every couple of minutes we were cheering for somebody which was a lot of fun and if you if you don't know anyone in the race you're just usually cheering on a really great race so it was a very busy 48 hours. So considering how busy it was, were there any moments that kind of stood out for you, whether it was in the crowd, on the track, on the field? I think uh, two things that were kind of really apparent to me, we can take these one by one if you want, but one was the amount of state records that got broken or state meet records, I guess, that got broken was kind of insane. There was a period of like an hour where I felt like it was almost every race. Yeah. Uh, a long-held, like, 20-plus years state meet record went down, and that was just so fun. Uh, the crowd was so into it, and it was just, yeah, it's just cool to see when it all comes together on the right day. Yeah, and I think what makes that extra special is knowing what this group of kids have gone through over the last few years, especially with missing so much time from COVID, to be able to come back and have performances like this, because track and field is a very demanding sport and it's based on progression you don't just wing stuff you don't just wing stuff you don't just pick up the sport and three weeks later you're running a great 3k or you suddenly can throw a javelin i mean it takes a lot of time and to see some of these performances and the depth of the performances it was just amazing it was just it, it was good sometimes to stop and think geez two years ago these kids were out of school and they weren't having competition and for them to be able to do this, and you're right, it was it was relentless. It was like every five minutes, it was an announcement of a state record or a state meet record. It was so impressive. Yeah, I think that's, you know, if you think about all the seniors that were there, they're the ones who had the brunt of COVID and, and having their season shut down when they were freshmen and then having iffy, weird seasons, sort of hodgepodge kind of seasons their sophomore years. Um, you could have... Uh, realize the loss of, a, of like, why are we doing this? Right. Like there are, they had no meets in sight coming up. They didn't know if they were going to have a season. And so to keep training and to keep believing in themselves, even though they didn't know when they were going to have a chance to compete, I think just speaks so highly of them. So I, you know, especially I think a shout out to 
the seniors for navigating their way through all of that uncertainty. It was really cool. And the other thing I noticed, and it's really funny because you and I talked about this, and then our daughter posted something similar to this on her Instagram, but I noticed the amount of hugs uh, at the meet. Yeah. And so, you know, the the amount of people, the, the competitors that cross the line or finish their throw or their jump, and then were immediately hugged by their competitors was insane. Like, I mean, we always have seen that, but I felt like there was an extra kind of warm, special glow to this meet this weekend. Um, just so many hugs and celebrations of, of people that literally fractions of a second or seconds ago were giving it their all to beat each other. And then seconds later are hugging and smiling and laughing was just really cool. Yeah. Probably some state records for hugs too. At the yeah. Meet. That would be a fun counter. Oh, absolutely. And you know, one of my favorite quotes, which I've you know, said countless times is from Jeff Johnson, who used to coach both of us, who said, uh, compete with and not against each other. Mm-hmm. And that, and that was so true with what you were saying. I mean, these, these kids would not have been able to have achieved such incredible feats if they didn't have such incredible people to compete with. And I think they drew entire fields to personal bests and all-time records and state records. I mean, that was, this was the best Oregon State meet in history. I don't think it's a, uh, what's the word, a coincidence that, like you said, it was probably the most <laughs> hugs ever handed out amongst competitors. There was some type of special feeling. And I'll tell you what, I think it it made its way into the crowd because the crowd seemed to be cheering for everyone. If If you were competing hard, the crowd was cheering for you, even if you were wearing a different uniform than who maybe they were representing. Yeah, all around love. Lots of love. I also think it's kind of cool, which we always notice, especially when we've been at a meet for a long time, you start noticing more than just, you know, who's crossing the line first or if it's a state record. There was a few moments where we were just just looking at the kids at how hard they were competing. Didn't matter if they were in first place or eighth place or 15th place and how much it meant to them. And we were thinking, you know, these kids sacrifice so much. You know, it's Friday nights, it's Saturday mornings, it's after school every single day. They still are expected to do their homework, even when they're getting home at 10 p.m. And they got to be at school at 7 a.m. the next day. And they put so much effort into it when that gun goes off or they're told that they can, you know, jump or throw. It's it really is such a wonderful environment to be around as an adult to see these kids compete the way that they do. It's it's a it's a great reminder to, you know, make sure you have some of this in your life still. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we also had some pretty cool family things occur. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of hinted at it. We had Maggie run the 3K on Friday and that was incredible. Um you know, super strong fields and she ran a fantastic race, really smart. And she was fourth, which is her highest placing at state meet. And it was just really fun to see. 
Yeah, what was really cool about that was the race we thought was going to go out really, really fast, and it didn't. It just picked up and was crazy bonkers at the end, which was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, it was, again, the crowd was there to watch great racing, so it was really cool to see the kids get such an awesome reaction. And like you said, afterwards, ton of hugs from these young women that have been racing against each other for years, a lot of them since middle school. Um, yeah. And obviously it's emotional when you get to see your kid, especially a senior wrapping up a high school career on the award stand at States. So really special moment. And neither one of us passed out from elevated heart rate. So that was cool. Yeah. My watch didn't even notify me that I had an elevated heart rate this whole weekend, which I think uh, maybe my watch fell asleep at the wheel because I've gotten those notifications and races before. And I definitely felt more nervous, I think, this weekend than at some other meets. But yeah, my watch kind of kind of fell asleep at the wheel, didn't warn me about those. But um, the other neat thing about Maggie and the 3K is that she had two teammates in the race and uh, another of the teammates was on the podium next to her. So that was just really fun to see them, you know, get to hug and celebrate together up there. And then a little while later, Emma had her semifinal and navigated that. Sometimes the semifinal is a lot more stressful than the actual final because you know, the finals almost like a release. You made it. Now you can have some fun. The the semifinals where you're worried about, you know, tactical blunders and missteps or getting tripped up. But she navigated that like a boss. So it was very cool. And we were kind of done in terms of the uh, parental nerves for the day. And we got to just enjoy um, the rest of the meet until the allergies kicked in. And oh my, the allergies were crazy. So there were like two or three different drugstores that we went in and the, the allergy section was just annihilated, just empty shelves. Um, but somehow our our two girls didn't really have too much of a problem with it. One of our, you know, one of our girls did, but it was after her races. But I was really happy that it didn't affect them so badly. But there were so many kids walking around the stadium with tissue stuffed up one of their nostrils because they were just so tired of wiping away the drips so yeah eugene's like the allergy capital of the world you you came in with a sinus infection so you were already a little beat up it was like the eighth round of a championship boxing match for you as you came into eugene Um, i got cocky and said i haven't had an issue with allergies all spring and then all hell broke loose and I just lost it. I I had the worst probably allergies for about three hours that I've had maybe ever. I I, I just kept apologizing to you. I think I sneezed 50 times in an hour. So much so that a stranger walking by stopped to offer you some allergy medicine that he had had to walk 45 minutes to buy. And he offered you one of those precious pills. Yeah. We, we we assume it was allergy medicine because one, the allergies went away and I also felt great. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, but it worked. But that was that was brutal, terrible. But we got through it. And then we were ready for day two. You want to talk a little bit about day two? So day two, our Emma had the 1500 first. And we, you know, again, we didn't really know what to expect. Uh, you know, sometimes races can be really tactical and nobody wants to take the lead. And sometimes... It goes out really fast, um, and she handled it really well. She knew exactly what to do, and she came away with the win, and that was really fun. Such a fun race. I love the 1500. 1500 is three and three quarters laps on a track. It's known as the metric mile, so it's a really nice combo of 
speed and endurance. Um, yeah, so that was great. And I think more than anything, it was nice to see how happy she was when she crossed the line. That You could tell that she actually had fun racing as opposed to it being um, really stressful, which is nice, which is what you want. You want the kids to be having fun. It's okay to have pressure. It's okay to be nervous, but you still want it to be fun. And it looked like she had a really good time racing. Yeah, like it looked like that. And then when we got to see some photos that were sent to us, she like literally had a smile as she was crossing the finish line. So that's, of course, always fun to see. Um, So then she had the 800 and she had two of her teammates in that race with her as well. So that was really fun to watch. And uh, again, handled the strategy and the tactics really smartly and came away with a win and had her two other teammates on the podium with her. So that was another one that was a lot of fun, a lot of hugs. And later we got to see photos of the finish and there were more smiles. Yeah. And I think that was really special to her that, you know, to have teammates go one, two, eight and three scores at the state meet of the same, same team is really special. And to be able to experience that with your friends is, is great. And the day wasn't done though. We had what, about another hour, hour and a half. And then the four by four, which is always a blast at every track meet. Because it's just so much fun. It's an electric relay. Every kid runs one lap. Uh, our kids are in 6A. So we got to watch the boys and girls 4A, the boys and girls 5A, and then the boys and girls 6A to kind of end the weekend. And that's always a crowd pleaser. The kids love it. And one of the cool things is at the end of the meet, they give awards to the top four teams in each division. So they all come down onto the fields. So you've got hundreds and hundreds of kids on the infield. The meet's now over. They're waiting to get their their chance to stand on the podium as a team. But you know that that moment when the stress is all gone, the nerves are all gone, you're done, you've achieved something great, and now you just get to have some fun. So it was nice to see just these hundreds and hundreds of teenagers finally getting to just really just relax and have some fun together at the end of the meet. It was a really cool kind of view looking at it from you know the upper deck down onto the field yeah i mean that was probably one of my favorite moments of the whole weekend is when you and i were up on the upper decks with hardly anybody around you know just looking at these hundreds of athletes on the infield and we spotted our daughters and their team and one of our daughters in particular was dancing her heart out to the music and just the joy and lightness and relief and accomplishment that all of these kids on the field felt. Um, we could finally breathe as parents. We could just be spectators and just soaking it in. And it was just, I will never forget that of just looking down and seeing them taking pictures with each other and more hugs and more hugs and more dancing. It's just, you can't beat it. Yeah, it was a great way to to, to end it. And then to drive out and get some wings before we left Eugene because hot mama's wings we did it twice in just over two days so shout out to hot mama's wings and eugene they took good care of us they took good care of us all right well that was that was the meat and the potatoes that was a pretty pretty sizable feast of good stuff so what what do we got now is it pet do we slide into petty grievances straight out of meat and potatoes we do what you got you go first so this one is sort of a petty grievance, but something that I'm sort of um, in awe of. And that is that there is 
always a long line at a pharmacy, no matter when I've gone to the pharmacy in all of my years of living on this earth, there's always a line at the pharmacy. And the pharmacists and farm techs are never really appear to be flustered or concerned about the long line. So it's a petty grievance in the way that I feel I feel like I would just feel better if they acted like they were in a hurry or if they acted like, I know that you're all waiting in line and I'm so sorry, I'm doing my best. I'm trying to get through all these you know, orders. I feel like I would feel better if there was some acknowledgement of it. At the same time, I don't want them rushing through while they're counting people's pills. And I don't, um, and, and at the same time, I also wish I could be a little bit more like that where I, where I didn't let other people's impatience affect me and make me tense. Um, but I tend to let that be a little bit contagious when people are, are antsy and tense. I tend to let it, you know, contage onto me a little bit. So I'm a little bit in awe of it and a little bit also pity grieved. Whenever I'm picking something up from the pharmacy, I'm, I think I'm more focused or hyper aware of whether the people around me are picking something up for someone who's sick or if they're the sick person. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm seeing like, okay. are they coughing or yes. like if they wipe their face, where are they touching after that? Because yes. who knows what illness they have? Is it contagious? Yeah, I spend a Why lot of time like that. Mask? Too. Yeah. Why am I picking this up? I'm not the sick one. Well, maybe that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I got you. All right. What's yours? Well, it's interesting because it's it's in a food store as well. Our pharmacy is in a food store. Mine has to do with the packing of the groceries. Oh, gosh. Yes. I do an extraordinary job when I pack my own groceries. If there occasionally there is someone at the end that is there to pack the groceries for you. So that always gets me very anxious because I know how to pack groceries. Like, for instance, you don't put soft things like chips or fruit or vegetables, unless it's something like carrots, but you wouldn't put tomatoes on the bottom of a bag. You don't put glass little bottles at the top of the bag because they roll and they slide over and then they can make the bag tip. All of these little things I know. You don't put bread in the middle. So I always get anxious. Does this bagger know what they're doing? And we're at that time of year where you're starting to get kids now getting hired. And they just don't have it. They don't have what it takes when it comes to bagging. It's a great generation. They're good kids. They do a lot of things awesome. What I've seen so far, they're lacking in the bagging. So my petty grievance is the last two times I've gone to, won't name the place, the bagging has been subpar, sub-mediocre. And I would rather just do it myself because I can do it quicker and I know nothing's going to get damaged and the bag isn't going to rip or fall over. I basically know that I can just kick ass. So just let me bag. So my petty grievance is if you are not a properly trained bagger, just don't bag or do the training. And then get back out there. But until then, don't touch my stuff. Let me just do it. I appreciate it, but no thank you. I feel the need to point out that a tomato is a fruit and not a vegetable. I also want to just say that you developed these fantastic bagging skills during quarantine. You would come back 
from the grocery store with mega pride on how you packed. And ever since then, if I go, which is rare, but on the rare occasions that I go with you to the grocery store, you will not even let me near the bagging because you, and and you're so particular about how you put things on the conveyor belt. Yes. You won't even let me unload the cart, which is great for me because I just get to sit around and look at the magazines and all of that while you're doing all the things. But um, I also feel like there is a competition in the world for fastest baggers, not only fastest, but also like most appropriate, you know? So, I mean, anybody can pack really fast if you're just throwing everything in, Mm -hmm. but there is a competition and I feel like I want you to enter it. Yeah. Well, it's a combination. It's, it's efficiency and it's excellence. Those are, those are two different things. So yes, like you said, you can just throw stuff in there and that's the young man who packed the bags last time. He was really fast. But I literally got to the car and I had to rearrange everything because I was freaking out that the tomato, which is a fruit, according to Tammy, even though if we re-listen to this, I never said a tomato was a vegetable. Are you just throwing that out there as just some useful Well, you said you would never people? put vegetables on the bottom like a tomato. I think I think I said fruit and vegetables. Mm-hmm, okay. So, but we can re-listen and I will be sure to edit this podcast so whatever I say is correct. But... The point is you have to be efficient and there has to be an element of excellence. I do notice that you will, and I wonder if you're doing this on purpose when we go to the store and yes, it is rare that you accompany me. You will, are you putting stuff on the conveyor belt in the wrong order? So then I tell you to stop. So then you can just read magazines. No, but that's a great idea. All right, let's open the mailbag. Okay. I won't make the fake rip noise. It never picks up on the audio anyway. All right. As I reach into the mailbag. Okay. This is from our good friend, Sam Weathers. And the question is, what is the coldest you've ever been? It's a very specific question. Yeah. Do you have an answer? Uh, yes, I believe so. Do you want me to go first or do you want sure. to go? Go ahead. The coldest I can remember, I, I, it, I think I was so cold, I, I stopped feeling cold. And it was running a cross-country race, oddly enough, in North Carolina, where the day before, it was in the low to mid-70s. And the morning of our race, it was sleeting, and I think upper 20s. So I've, I've been outside and worse. I've run and worse. But for whatever reason, I could not move my mouth. I could not move my hands. I didn't feel my feet when I crossed the finish line. And if you remember, you were there at the finish line. This was at U.S. Cross in Greensboro, maybe, way back when. And I I couldn't get anything off me. You had to get the gloves off me. I couldn't get the jersey off me. I couldn't put shirt uh, a shirt on me. My fingers started to hurt when they got the feeling back. That's when I knew I was cold, that once I started to warm up, I started to get feeling back and then I was in intense pain for probably an hour of just like the digits, the toes and the fingers. Absolutely, totally brutal. That's probably the coldest I can remember because I just remember the pain and my inability to do anything. Yeah, mine's really similar. And it's also at a cross-country meet. This one was the USATF junior Olympic Nationals. Uh, our all three of our kids were running. It was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It was 
I just can't even describe the level of cold that it was. Um, I don't think there was snow on the ground, but it was bitter, bitter, bitter cold. And I I was a coach. And so I had to lead the kids on a warm up and, and get them to the tent. And it was just, um, yeah, it was really, really cold. I will never forget it. it the, something about the air being so thin and it was just, it was brutal. And these poor little teeny tiny kids were just shivering so hard. I thought that their muscles were just going to cramp and seize up. Um, but we made it through. I think probably my, if I were to go back into like my top five, I think all of them would involve in some way running or coaching. And coaching is a slightly different type of pain because you're not running around as much as the kids or the athletes. And you have so much downtime where you're waiting for them. And you're just yes. like, this is never going to end. Time just moves so slowly. Yeah. You feel like you'll never thaw. You'll never get warm again. Oh, all right. Well, there you go, Sam Weathers. Now, you know, our coldest ever. Okay. What do you got coming up? Well, actually, we're going to talk about floating fancies first. Floating fancies. At some point, I'm going to figure out this order. So I'll tell you what's floating my fancy. What's floating your fancy? And this might lead to a petty grievance of yours on a future date. So if if you're starting to go there, just save it for another episode. But I am really liking Dr. Teal's sleep spray. So it has melatonin and some essential oils like lavender. And you just spray the little mist on your bedding before you go to sleep. And that is actually helping me sleep better. Or at least it's making me think that it helps me sleep better, which then in fact helps me sleep better. And it smells so good. Okay, so the directions are to spray it on your bedding. It, or not, other not places. On, not on your partner. Because when you spray it, you are spraying it on me. Actually, I'm going to read the directions. Use Dr. Teal's multi-purpose sleep spray at bedtime in four different ways to enhance your sleep routine. And then it has bullet points. One, okay. in shower. Two, on pillows and bedding. Three, on body four in bedroom. Okay. I on, feel so validated, Dr. Teal's. Thank you. But it seems like Dr. Teal is inferring on your own body, the mm. person who who owns this lavender sleep spray or sleep mist, whatever it's called. And it's not saying on random bodies. You don't go around and say, hey, stranger, I'm going to spray you with my lavender sleep mist. Well, there's no strangers in my bedroom at night. No, but I am a unwilling participant a non in this, in this ritual. Mm. I just know that my eyes are closed and suddenly I, I hear whoosh, whoosh, and about a second and a <laughs> half later, the precipitation reaches me. And I and know it you're smells doing delicious. it and, and then you, you love it. You think it's hilarious. And then you go to sleep. <sighs> After I say, why did you spray me? Yeah. And I think maybe the reason why you sleep better is because you you're laughing quietly. That's releasing endorphins. It's lowering your blood pressure. And that's why you're sleeping better. Perhaps. It's joke mist, as far as I'm concerned. What's floating your fancy? Well, the last few times I've gotten coffee, I've gone a little rogue and I've gotten some fancy pants brands but i usually buy them because they look cool because they have like a pirate on them or a skeleton or 
you know, like a really cool drawn bear. I have no idea if I, I don't know who any of these coffee makers are. So I'm buying it strictly on the package. But so far, the last couple of packages have been good. So floating my fancy are kind of fancy coffees. It's it's all straight up coffee. I don't do anything weird. I just do coffee with a little half and half, and that's it. So so really, it's fancy making, packaging. It's fancy packaging, yes. But the coffee's been good. So I feel like I'm kind of lucking out. So lately, it's been fancy packaged coffee has has floated my fancy. So this is like when you send me to John's Market, which is this local market that has thousands of kinds of beer mm -hmm. near our house, and you tell me to get some one or two beers for you, and I will pick it purely based on the packaging because I'm telling you what, the artist illustrator in me loves the packaging on these small brewery beers. They're just so good. So I always just purely base it base my choice on the artwork on the can. So it sounds very similar to me. Yes, and your hit percentage is through the roof when you go. I don't know if you've ever brought back a bad beer. Yeah, I've never brought back an ugly beer, that's for sure. Yeah, you've never brought back an ugly beer, and it's never tasted ugly. Right. So it's beautiful on the outside, and more importantly, the beers you buy me are beautiful on the inside of that can. Mm. Hmm. Let's talk about what's ahead. What do you what do you have coming up? Well, we have our daughter's graduation from high school. We've we've survived one. We can survive this one too. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna hit. And then on a more personal note, um, I am going to be starting some kettlebell exercises. So I have tried kettlebell in the past and I obviously didn't do it right and it didn't feel so good. But now I have been taught the right way to swing those kettlebells around. And I'm looking forward to just adding just a little bit of strength, uh, weight-bearing exercises to my day and just little, little tiny ways. Um, so yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm working on adding strength to my routine. So this will be a fun way to do it. Yeah, it was cool seeing you uh, randomly walking around the house last week with a kettlebell over your head. Yeah, I decided that like, you know, I do a lot of my client calls here in the room and then I'll come out in between client calls to go get a sip of water or a little snack. And I thought, well, as long as I'm walking to the other side of the house, why don't I just bring a kettlebell with me and carry it overhead? And it's one of those micro movements that's just going to add up to big gains. Very cool. Take, take advantage of those little down moments to lift something up like a kettlebell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got obviously our daughter's graduation as well this weekend. Totally unprepared emotionally for that. So that's gonna be that's gonna be rough. Um, super proud of her and also just, you know, they're growing up and that's tough. And there's also a great meet locally at Lewis and Clark College, the Portland Track Festival. So hopefully uh, there'll be time to go and watch that. We may even have some of our kids racing there, but that's a really fun track meet that gets put on. And it's about what, five minutes from our house, which is really cool. And the cool thing about that is you can actually watch it on pay-per-view. I think it's like $6 to watch and $3 goes to the prize purses for the athletes, which is really cool. 
Maybe so, I'll put a link to that in our show notes so people yeah. can add to the pot. Yeah, you should. You should watch. They're, they're great races. And maybe you'll see Tammy and I in the crowd, which will be lots of fun. And then at the beginning of next week, Monday, I fly out to Miami to do uh, some stuff with some run clubs and uh, some runs for Global Running Day next week in, in Miami. I've, I don't know if I've ever been in Miami. I don't think I've ever been to Miami, Florida. Hmm. So there you go. Yeah, so that's it. So that's all I got. And I think that's all we got. I think we're at the end of the line. I think so. Thank you so much for joining us today. Come back next week. And we'll we'll meet you here. Bye. Bye. Thank you for hanging out with us today. We hope you subscribe if you haven't already, and we'd love for you to give us a good rating. Remember, you can send your questions into our mailbag at the address found in the show notes. If you want to connect with us further, be sure to check out Coach Chris Bennett on Instagram at Coach Bennett, two N's, two T's. Or go to Coach Tammy Bennett's Instagram at Show Up Society. You can also hear more Tammy on the Show Up Society podcast.